Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. And I am Nicole Abshire. And thank you for tuning in today. This is one of our Thursday mini episodes where Nicole and I talk about our bigger topic together. And that topic, as y'all might remember, is food insecurity in Texas. So something that Nicole and I have heard a lot about in these many, many conversations with our guests and with one another is mutual aid. Mutual aid keeps coming up. And honestly, people will be like, oh yeah, there's like NGOs and mutual aid and government. I'm just nodding my head and I'm like, I actually don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) I think, Nicole, perhaps you feel the same. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 And then I'm like, should I know this? <laughs> so we're going to stop the car, back up and learn it for ourselves. Well, we learned a little bit about it, a little bit more for ourselves. And we'll share with y'all what we picked up because this is, okay, I'm going to say it's it's not a new thing, but I think it's like a reemerging thing that people are talking about. And it's good to know what they're talking about because there's a difference between charity work and mutual aid. So we're going to get into that. Yes. Um, So, Nicole, what have you been learning in your journey, your your research journey? Uh, Yes, my little research journey. Well, first of all, I think I love that you just touched on the fact that they're not really new. They're just sort of rising again. And maybe for some people that they're not rising again. But um, from my point of view, I'm just kind of hearing about them. And so one of the things I came across was, you know, there's, of course, a long history of, and I'm sure there have been many name changes, but a long history of like fraternal organizations, especially when ethnic, within ethnic communities, where, you know, people uh, kind of for self-protection had to really have their own resources in their community that they could turn to each other for. And, you know, so it was really like this shoulder to shoulder kind of giving and definitely not from a top down perspective. And so there is, there really is a long history of this, especially within ethnic communities that otherwise wouldn't have been able to, for instance, get bank loans if they wanted to start a new business or, you know, afford, I can't even think of another good example, but, um, but where they kind of had to I just was about to say close ranks. That's probably not the right way to put it. But, you know, kind of protect themselves to find the resources that they needed. So I thought that was really interesting that there really is a long history here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll touch on some of those different uh, moments in history. Um, Something that came to mind for me was, y'all might recall from our episode with Mondo Rayo, we were talking to him about the Hispanic community and how they're hit especially hard when it comes to food insecurity in Texas. Like the statistic is one in eight Texans is food insecure, but it's one in five Hispanics. So I was asking him, I was like, so how, you know, how, how, how are they helping each other? How are we helping each other? And he said, it's a lot of that communal collaboration about coming together, helping out your neighbor, sort of, um, 
like you're saying, shoulder to shoulder cooperation. And I was like, oh, this is like, this sounds like mutual aid now that I'm aware of it. Um, but Nicole, do you have a definition in front of you or should we go find one real quick? I mean, I, I feel like we can generate one, right? It's Okay, let's do it. Well, it's the idea that you you that we are all at some point in our lives potentially will be in the need for help and so that we mutually help each other. So if you can give today, you give knowing that somewhere down the road you might also need um and that it is giving without expectation and that it the idea too is that people are allowed to retain their dignity. There isn't, there's not a lot of qualifications you have to go through. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to prove that you're deserving or worthy. You simply make a request for a need that you have and it is met. And yeah, that's. Yeah. And once again, Nicole's definitions are no, that's crazy good. long. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my understanding of it too is that it is different from charity. Well, I guess well, I'll talk about the distinctions. I because I was reading a lot about that in my research. It's different from charity and that charity is about givers and receivers. It's about kind of this hierarchy of those who have and those who don't and those on the top give to those on the bottom, so to speak. Um, and charity is about it's not about the, like we talk about that, we talked about this so much in our, our food insecurity series, how when we're talking about hunger and solving hunger, a lot of our quote solutions are band-aids. Like they're not solving hunger, they're keeping, they're helping people have food in the immediate. Whereas I think mutual aid is about that immediate need and solving that and also the organizing around addressing the root problems that are leading to the situation where people have that need again and again and again. So it's to me, it's like a two-step approach. It's let's solve the immediate needs of people and let's also organize to change the system so that people aren't constantly, you know, falling behind, falling into the river, so to speak, you know. That's such a great way of putting it and an important thing to point out and a really good resource if anybody, well, I'm sure we'll share other resources, but Austin Mutual Aid is a really interesting organization. They have a website and they talk about how much, have, are we ready to get into this? Sorry, Claire, I'm just sort of jumping right in. Yeah, to go for it. <laughs> some of my research, right, which was but finding Austin Mutual Aid and they apparently raised more money than they expected during the winter storm, Yuri, in 2021 and suddenly have this influx of money. And I, it sounds, you know, I'm kind of reading between the lines, but a little bit like, oh boy, what do we do with all of this? And so a, a huge part of what they did then was talk to community organizers, grassroots organizers who are doing the work, have been doing the work and and support that. So sometimes that is with ongoing projects that you're talking about that address like the root causes of what these uh, communities are facing and then also providing some immediate need, you know, um, so I think that is such a good point that it is also about activism along with immediate relief from whatever might be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my, my brain's trying to remember all the things that I was learning as I was researching mutual aid. My understanding too is that amongst the group, and I don't know how this works in like theory versus practice, 
but when de- decisions are being made, they're supposed to be made in consensus versus majority rules, um, which is kind of the system that we're used to. And I think that's more based on that cooperative approach because in our system that we have now, it's very much you share your ideas and like the best idea wins or the idea that can get the most uh, backing. But you might have people in the group who are very unhappy with it because they got overruled. Whereas like more of a mutual aid system, it's you really have to try to, I don't know if appease is the right word, but get as many people on board with your priority as possible. There's also supposed to be this element of transparency. So like if there is a group that gets a big influx of money, there's kind of this expectation that they're going to show you where that money's going. Uh, because I, it's just a, I guess, an important value of, of we're open. You know, I think I heard some organizations or, or I don't know, have like an open system where people can see where things are going. Because they do want to, um, be be a community minded group, and an important part of that is to make sure no one is taking more than they need. So they have these things in place to help ensure that. Yeah, I totally agree. There is clearly a real emphasis and value on transparency, particularly, tra- well, I know I was going to say particularly financial transparency, but I would say it's it's all the transparency, right? It's who they're giving to, how much they're giving to, what those um, funds actually accomplish. Yeah, there's there does seem to be a real heavy emphasis on transparency. Which is yeah, really admirable. Seems, yeah. Well, it also seems like there's a lot of, so like the transparency is there to help sort of prove that they're doing what they say they're going to do. But to me, it seems like there's also a lot of trust kind of built into this. Like I signed up on the Facebook page for Awesome Mutual Aid and I've started seeing some of the posts and it's people saying like, hey, um, I'm $50 short on rent. Can anyone help? Here's my Venmo. And like, Maybe that's the situation. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But I think you just sort of trust that this person really says that they that there's a need and you fill it. So that's an it's kind of it feels kind of radical to be like, OK, here you go. Um, but that's it's just different because we're so I don't know, brainwashed, but we're so entrenched in capitalism. This is like very radical to the world uh, we're, we're acclimated to. Yeah, it really uh, challenges, right? Those underlying thoughts that you sort of think, oh, I don't even know if I realized I believe this. But yes, there is so much trust that you have to kind of surrender to. Yes, the idea that, I mean, it, it could be somebody scamming, but you kind of have to decide, is that risk worth it or not? Right? Yeah. And, but it, it there is a lot of, I know for me, I did have some initial, as I was seeing posts like you're talking about, thoughts around scamming, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is this person trustworthy or not, thinking that they do need to be vetted in some way? And it's like, whoa, I didn't know how much of that I was carrying around. Yes, yes. We have so many just entrenched thoughts and also thinking about the idea of like the deserving and an un- undeserving well do they deserve it it's like does it matter <laughs> like if they're saying they need it i they need it so uh why why do i expend all this mental energy to like assess like mm, i don't know if i should do this or not 
it's an inter it's just such a different thing from what we're used to but it's also really exciting to me in a way because i know when we started thinking about our panel for south by southwest we were really curious and interested in this idea of saviorism like we feel as though our system because our title for our panel was who is winning in a broken system that our system seems to perpetuate what what we're in now, which is where we have a charity model and we have these great organizations that supply food to people who need it. And then we have government programs that also are supplement supplementary to people's food needs, but it, it never solves the problem, but it still allows, you know, those with means to give and feel good and get their tax break. And those on the bottom to still need and need and need. And it's, it's the cycle that that is never going to be broken unless you have a different model, like a mutual aid model, because that's more of a charity model, which we are just repeating over and over and over. Yes, I. it's so true, right? It makes you really start to question the entrenched systems. Going back to one of the episodes, I know it came up a few times, but, you know, the idea that the ways that we allow people to be hungry is a political choice, right? We could absolutely choose something different in any number of ways. We could look at minimum wage. We could, you know, look at inflation in a different way. Like there's so many things that we could do that would solve the problem for real. And so it really is a political choice that we continue to have so many people living in poverty, to have people be food insecure, um, to have to have working poor. F- frankly, I think it's really interesting that we have a class of people that you could call the working poor, people who are mm-hmm. working full time, doing everything that we sort of as a society say that we would want people to do in terms of actively working. And yet, they still can't make ends meet. It is impossible. That that political choice is a really interesting one to me. I mean, interesting, horrifying, but yes, yeah. interesting. Yes. Uh, I don't like it. Um, and yet it's funny. The alternative is like interesting, but it's also like, oh, that's scary too. <laughs> so it's like, man, this brainwashing has worked really well. Like to, it kind of puts us in this spot where we're I would say that we're we're kind of all losing now but the other side it's just like very scary um and speaking of scary I was listening to a podcast prepping for this episode about mutual aid and one of the guests was sharing that the Black Panther movement one of the big things that they were really successful with was the free breakfast program not that that was scary that was very successful and they did an incredible job feeding folks breakfast. Um, But the FBI got wind of this and they saw that as incredibly threatening, the free breakfast program. And it ended up being something that the government sort of took took upon themselves, but sort of diluted. It wasn't as um, successful as it was under the Black Panthers program. And it's just interesting because the government recognized almost like, ooh, like people can't have too nice things because it would show them that we are not providing what we should be and our government does support our capitalistic system. So we are stuck 
where we're at and, and challenges to that system are suppressed because of what they could also further ignite. Kind of like the Hunger Games. <laughs> and then we find where all of these interests meet up, right? We keep like bumping up against so many of the same realizations, right? It's, it, it's fascinating. The more you know, the more you learn. Yes. And when they were saying too in that podcast that I, I want to say it was uh, the Black Panthers, education was a big part of their work. And that was also threatening because the more people see things for what they really are, see that invisible machinery, they're like, hey, wait a minute. I don't know if I like this. So that is very threatening, which is fascinating to me. And I'm sure you, Nicole, because like that's what we're working through in this podcast is seeing things for what they really are. And when you do start to see it, you're like, this sucks, number one. And number two, like there are other ways. And then what, and then how do you actually implement an alternative uh, reality, an alternative uh, way of being, I guess. Yeah. Right. Reimagining, right. A reimagining of what, of what our lives could look like which can, yeah, that can feel very revolutionary, that's for sure. And what you were just talking about, also kind of the more you learn that theme, it also then for me really highlights so many of the battles that we see happening across the nation, particularly huh, in Texas, yeah. right? As we talk about how Texas is such a microcosm of of all of the major political issues right now. But right, of course, then there is such a war on education. Of course, banning books has become, you know, a, a, a real battlefield. Of course, you know, you name it, all of these major fights, of course, they've risen to the top because they really are where real change can begin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of parents who send their kids away to college and the kids come back with their eyes open because they're exposed to different people from different walks of life, different ideas, things that were never touched upon, you know, in high school, middle school, elementary school. And it's probably going to happen more so where we're having more or attempts at suppressing the true narrative of America or whatever it is, or American relations with other countries. You get to college and you're like, whoa, we did some pretty terrible things. Um, and, and, and instead of being like, huh, let's be honest, it's like, oh, no, college is where people get woke. You know, that's the narrative people are adopting. And thus the next battlefield, right? Like, Yeah, absolutely. And, and we see that happening. We yeah. See, and we see that happening in Texas. Yes. You know, and if anything, yeah, I hope people step back and it's like, who is this serving? Is this really serving you? Is it just like, yeah, be a little more critical of it. Don't be upon in, in the game on on either side like own your va your values and your critical thinking because that's because because at least you have that um but it's it's a lot of, it is work to sort of like take the blinders off it and is work it's and it's it, and it can feel really destabilizing oh so does, yes yes right and that's why i'm also very empathetic to people who i'm like what are you doing why are you voting that way it's gonna just it's gonna really mess everybody's life up but to go against your community or your spouse or your whatever can be something pe people are not ready for. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't also underestimate, I think, the 
<laughs> bigness. My vocabulary right now, not the best, um, but the size, shall we say, of loyalty. And I think it can be really, I know I have felt this way as I've learned new things, but honestly, like so disappointed because my loyalty meant that I cared and loved about, or, you know, like loved the people I grew up with, the community I grew up in, the education that I received and the place that I grew up, all of that. And so it can feel disloyal sometimes to question that and to feel mm-hmm. as if I'm turning my back on some of that, you know, like loyalty is, it, it's a big thing and it's, it can be hard to reckon with. I can still love all of that and integrate new thinking and recognize where there were yeah. some shortcomings. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that's coming to mind for me is this idea of like families and specifically when you have a different political ideology from than from that of your parents, but growing up with a narrative of like honor your parents, you know, like be respectful of them. How do you walk that line of respect, but also owning your convictions and standing in your own values? I think that's really tricky, at least for me to do at times. I think, yeah. And that, I mean, I know Texas doesn't own that kind of um, values system, but that's pretty ubiquitous here in Texas, right? That idea of, of, yeah, respecting your elders. And sometimes that can look like obedience and sort of this blind loyalty. And I think reframing that is something that can be tricky and messy. It's like you can still be respectful and disagree. Mm-hmm. That those things are not mutually exclusive. And so, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's tricky and it requires some real like thinking through things and um, walking some tough lines. And obviously it's also not, I mean, we're talking about how it's challenging for us on this side of it. It's also, of course, really challenging for the people who have to receive what we're talking about, you know, and it's yeah. like you're, you're bumping up against it's almost like I know for when I've had some conversations with my family, I can feel that they feel like I'm changing the rules. It's like, mm. and that is, I know that for them, that feels very um, confrontational and frustrating. It's like, no, 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 you don't get to change the rules. This, this is how it's always been, you know? And I'm yeah. trying to just say maybe, but how about we take another look and have a discussion? Absolutely. And maybe for them too, it's like, I didn't get to do this thing you're doing. So you, sh- why do you think you get to do it? <laughs> oh, that's a good point too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well. We started with mutual aid. I know, mutual we're... aid. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything else. I mean, maybe just if we're thinking about the audience and takeaways I would just like challenge people to, if they haven't kind of already integrated the idea of mutual aid into their thinking to just take a peek, like just think about how that might feel different, look different um, in terms of how you think about if you have extra funds, how you give, um, Mm -hmm. where you give and yeah, just having a real, I guess, intentional way of looking at how you give. Yeah. You know, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's given me a lot to think about and I appreciate that I'm more aware of it because I was not a few weeks ago. So we're going to keep learning. Yeah. Such a buzzword that I just didn't dig into until, until now. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it really reemerged during the pandemic and then for us in Texas during the winter storm where uh, our government didn't really step up the way it needed to. So these other networks were created. And it's it's cool <laughs> in a way because it's like, ooh, a different way of being, a different opportunity. But I wouldn't be surprised that it's going to keep coming around more frequently because our like crises are happening more and more as like the climate is getting worse and our government is not doing all that it should be. So maybe it's an opportunity for some sort of change. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Well, stay tuned with us, everyone, and we'll see where it goes. But thank you for listening. We appreciate y'all and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.